You're listening to Book Insights, brought to you by Memoed, finding and simplifying the world's most powerful ideas to fit into your lifestyle. Each episode is a deep dive into a nonfiction bestseller that can change your life or make you think. In around 30 minutes, you'll learn all about a book that offers wisdom for your life, career, or business. So get ready to live and work smarter, better, and happier with Book Insights. Kindergarten, school, college, maybe grad school. This is pretty much the standard path for most of the population, up to the school stage at least. It's accepted without question. This wasn't an option for Tara Westover. Born and raised in rural Idaho, the youngest of seven children of Mormon survivalist parents, Westover was 17 before she set foot in a classroom. Her struggle to tutor herself gain a higher education, and find her own voice while still trying to stay loyal to her family is the subject of her powerful memoir, Educated. Westover recounts her formative years living at the base of Buck's Peak, a majestic mountain that serves as a metaphor throughout the book for the magnetic pull of home. It's this powerful pull that she grapples with even as she breaks away and discovers a world beyond. Until that point, the only life she knows is toiling in her father's junkyard, submitting to his tyrannical control and enduring his twisted version of Mormon theology. It's the transformative education Westover eventually secures for herself at Brigham Young University, Cambridge, and Harvard that grants her an escape from this unconventional and at times abusive upbringing. But the power of Educated is that it's not simply an escape memoir. She takes pains to accurately depict the multiple layers of her parents' world, both good and bad, at the same time as she rebels against it. She describes moments of humor and warmth that stand out against the unremitting accidents, simmering tension, mental illness and misogyny typical of life at Buck's Peak. She recalls laughing the whole hour as her father cracked jokes about genius socialists, his beaming pride at her singing in church, and later, his uncharacteristic tenderness when she calls from college with news that she'd failed an exam. Now in her early 30s, the memories of her extraordinary childhood and against-the-odds ascent to the world's best universities are certainly still fresh, or more accurately, raw. She remains estranged from most of her family. In this book insight, we'll follow the chronological arc of the book, which is divided into three parts. First, Tara's childhood and early teens. Second, her leaving for college and experiencing life away from home. And third, Cambridge, Harvard, and gaining the confidence to confront her parents. Two themes run through the book, the power and value of education and the subjectivity of memory. In the first part of Educated, Westover describes her young years living in the shadow of Buck's Peak, she lives under the tyranny of her father, and also, as she becomes a teenager, her brother Sean. Despite the family's isolation and lack of conventional education, some of Tara's siblings have an undeniable urge to learn, hiding themselves away to read and study in defiance of their father. Eventually, this ignites an interest in the youngest member of the family, Tara. We see hints of the self-reliance and determination that will ultimately give her the strength to leave home and start carving out her own life and her own sense of self. The stark beauty of the Idaho scenery is at odds with the chaos of the family business, a scrap metal junkyard. While Westover's father, Gene, a pseudonym, 
would rather have nothing to do with the government and the rest of the society, there's no getting round the need to make money. Any spare funds are spent stockpiling food and fuel to ensure the family are ready for the imminent end of days. A sense of threat pervades, whether from the feds or from the medical or school establishment. Here's Westover being interviewed for C-SPAN's book TV. I set foot in a classroom the first time when I was 17, and that was just because I was raised by parents who didn't believe in school in the traditional sense, so we were kept at home. My parents, they also didn't believe in a lot of other things. They didn't believe in doctors and hospitals. They didn't believe in really anything to do with the government. So I didn't even have a birth certificate until I was nine. The family lives according to Gene's vision of a treacherous outside world, carried along by his forceful rhetoric and cowed by his rages. The family is isolated geographically, but also from the rest of the local Mormon community. Gene is humored by fellow members of the congregation, but his extreme views set him apart. While older siblings attended school, at least periodically, Gene's beliefs gradually became more radical. The younger children are denied formal education, and contact with the outside world is kept to a minimum. Tara doesn't go to another child's house until she's 13. The first of many accidents and disasters occurs early on in the book. A car crash as the family approaches home after a 12-hour drive from Arizona. No one wears seatbelts, which are a symbol of state interference, and the car speeds through the night. A blatant disregard for safety and common sense on the part of Jean, along with an absolute trust in God, links most of the family catastrophes. Many of these occur in the junkyard, from bloody gashes and lost fingers to horrific burns. In the case of the car crash, Tara's mother, who's simply referred to as mother throughout the book, is the worst affected, left with terrible bruising and debilitating headaches from which she never fully recovers. The children give her the nickname Raccoon Eyes, unaware that this is a medical term denoting serious brain injury. But medical terms are of no interest in the Westover household. Mother does not see a doctor, but retreats to the dark basement to slowly recuperate. She treats herself with herbs and tinctures. Gene's mistrust of conventional medicine is contrasted with his total faith in his wife's talent as an herbalist. The initial portrait of Mother as a reluctant midwife's assistant, cajoled into working by her husband, is gradually replaced by an assertive, instinctive healer, mixing her own essential oils and developing muscle testing a rather unscientific method of diagnosis. She becomes confident of assessing the scope of any illness, even cancer. Later, she sets up a lucrative business making essential oils. Mother's burgeoning success seems to permit Jean to overlook his principle that women should not work. Tara herself has a brush with death in the junkyard. When her brother Tyler heads to college, leaving Jean one worker down, Tara is expected to work there at only 10 years old. Previously just a playground for her, she's faced with constant hazards, including her father hurling pieces of sharp metal and coil at her as he works. But Jean believes their work is overseen by angels, so they need not worry about health and safety. He sees any mishaps as God's will in action, handily absolving himself of any guilt. In one scene, he encourages Tara to climb inside a metal bin as he prepares to dump its 2,000 pounds of iron. A piece of metal jabs into her leg and pins her in place. She's about to be pummeled by the falling load, her shouts inaudible above the din of the machinery. She manages to scramble out of the bin and falls about 18 feet to the ground. 
There is no sympathy, no apology from her father. She stumbles home to be treated, bleeding across the kitchen floor. Tara's accident seems to trigger her decision to educate herself. Her four older brothers had intermittently attended school, but for the younger ones, doing school was an occasional half-hearted exercise and soon abandoned. Tyler's love of book learning and perseverance teaching himself algebra, Richard cocooning himself behind the sofa to devour the encyclopedia, these are Tara's catalysts. Even in the conventional education vacuum of the Westover household, the innate desire to learn can't be extinguished. She reads dog-eared math books, children's picture-heavy science books, plus, of course, the ever-present Book of Mormon and New Testament, whatever she can lay her hands on in the rare spare time between stints in the junkyard. In this episode, we began our look into Tara Westover's memoir, Educated. We learned about Tara's humble beginnings in Bucks Peak, Idaho, born to a family of survivalists and Mormon extremists. Denied education, medical help, or any sort of exposure to the outside world, Tara struggles to begin learning under her domineering and highly religious father, Jean. Next time, we'll continue our dive into Educated. We'll learn more about Tara's upbringing, then we'll discover how she escaped. Enjoying this episode of Book Insights? If so, keep listening and learning. There's a collection of over 100 titles you can read or listen to now at memodeapp.com slash insights. That's M-E-M-O-D-A-P-P dot com slash insights. To be in a situation like this in the first 17 years of your life, <laughs> would this have been odd to you? Here is Tara Westover, author of Educated, being interviewed for C-SPAN's Book TV at the National Book Festival. Extremely odd. I never went to any festivals when I was a child because I was raised by survivalists, so we didn't really go to these kinds of things, and to find myself on the stage, is, it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's wonderful, it's great, but it's, it's an adjustment, and I'm still adjusting. In this episode, we'll go further into Tara's childhood. Then, we'll learn about her escape. While her father at first dismisses the idea of Tara going to school, she takes steps to get away, taking on other jobs in the local town, and making tentative contact with other families and children her own age. Babysitting, packing groceries, a brief run of dance classes, singing lessons, and then musical theater productions provide long-overdue interaction with normal people. Tara feels like a goose among swans, unsure of how to act among the local townspeople, preferring to hide behind a role in a play or lose herself in a song. Her singing voice, it turns out, is outstanding. This confusion is compounded by the onset of puberty and the reappearance on the scene of another older brother, Sean. By turns friendly and protective, volatile and vicious, he is a menacing, unpredictable character. The first time he is physically abusive, he seizes her by the hair, dragging her to the bathroom and plunging her head into the toilet, freezing her in a martial arts hold. After two serious head injuries, a fall at work and then a motorbike accident, his erratic behavior seems to get even worse. Westover is careful, though, not to paint Sean as an all-out villain. On a long trucking trip, we see their close bond develop and the coining of his nickname for her, Siddle Lister. 
Later, he's supportive of her renewed ambition to go to school, saying, You'll get your 27, the minimum mark to ensure a full scholarship. You're as smart as Dad. With the benefit of hindsight, though, she recognizes the tight grip Sean had on her. She sees how, in her journal entries, she has constantly not reported or underplayed her brother's semi-psychotic behavior. It's a form of self-cover-up. After another violent incident with Sean, Tara writes two versions of it in her journal. She began to play with the idea of history and storytelling. How many versions of a single event could there be? Which one is true? Whose perspective is right? The seemingly small act of keeping both versions is a sign of Tara trusting her own voice rather than always deferring to others. She takes small steps towards independence and self-reliance. She saves up and travels to buy textbooks and works hard at learning trigonometry. She prepares to take the ACT college entry exam encouraged by Tyler. Another step of defiance is when Tara takes Sean to hospital rather than straight home when he crashes his motorbike. Each step represents a move away from her father and a rejection of home. It's capped by the day she receives notice of her successful college application. Part one of the book ends with a frustrated outburst from Tara's father. He doesn't forbid her from going to college, but makes it clear that pursuing an education is a grievous affront to his wisdom and authority. Despite Tara's yearning to get away, college life proves an almighty shock to the system. She's never lived away from home and finds the noise of the city deafening. Although Brigham Young University is a Mormon institution, she finds her roommates less than devout. Here's Westover once again on Book TV. Well, I wasn't raised Mormon, I don't think. I was. My father is a much more <laughs> radical version than any Mormon that you'd meet who's a mainstream Mormon. So I feel like I was kind of raised in a different religion altogether. When I got to BYU, I kind of converted to more mainstream Mormonism for a while. And ultimately, that wasn't quite the right fit for me, mostly for issues having to do with gender. She's horrified that they wear off-the-shoulder tops, have skirts that expose their legs, and drink Diet Coke. They, in turn, are a little disgusted with her slovenly hygiene. She's grown up in a home where soap was used once, maybe twice a week, and washing your hands after going to the toilet was not routine. She thinks this is perfectly normal. The huge gaps in her knowledge and education are apparent from the outset. For instance, she doesn't realize she needs to read the art history textbook, not just flick through the pictures. Ashamed at her poor performance in an exam, she writes in her journal, I don't understand why I wasn't allowed to get a decent education as a child. One moment stands out as emblematic of her hitherto ignorance. In class, she raises her hand to ask about an unfamiliar term. When she asks the meaning of the word holocaust, it shocks the room into silence. What sort of person has reached their late teens and never heard of the holocaust? While Tara's initial shamed response is to distance herself, recreating the isolation of her childhood and clinging to the old creed of her father, she soon starts to question the gaping holes in her knowledge and the limitations of her upbringing. Ironically, it's events that were previously unknown to her, the holocaust, the civil rights movement, which ignite her interest in history as a subject. Once she understands what's required, she begins to do very well. However, financial pressures and a growing sense of polarity between her old self and new take their toll. On several occasions, she refuses financial aid despite being in desperate need of it. Something inside her is saying that taking money from an institution is wrong, particularly if it's something to do with the government. 
This struggle between her two selves seems to manifest itself in physical symptoms. Earache, toothache, and stress-induced stomach ulcers finally lead her to ask for help. She also takes a painkiller tablet for the first time. Having spent her life hearing warnings that conventional medicine was the work of the devil, she's stunned by its efficacy. It's another revelation that makes her doubt her parents' beliefs. Determined not to be drawn back into her past life, Tara nevertheless heads home after her first semester. She's forced to return working in the junkyard or else risk being thrown out of home. Sean seems to ramp up his abusive behavior, grievously hurting and humiliating her in front of her boyfriend Charles. More painful than a broken toe is the shame that Charles has witnessed the abuse and that she tried to make excuses for it. The persistent abuse results in a willful desensitization and an effort to hide any signs of weakness. In trying to keep up the pretense of two selves, cracks start to show, of course, both back at college, where the stomach ulcers return, and in her relations with home. Tara's anger at her father grows as she learns in a psychology class about bipolar disorder. Immediately, she thinks, this is my father. She goes on to write about the effects of parents with bipolar disorder on children. Against the backdrop of another catastrophe at home, Jean suffers third-degree burns and refuses to go to hospital. We see Tara's academic promise begin to blossom. She's drawn closer to history, even if her religion deems its study unwomanly. In learning about the web of events, decisions, and chances that have determined the course of history, she felt something infinite. With the intervention of one of her tutors, she's offered the chance to take part in an exchange program to Cambridge University in England. The great privilege of the opportunity and its confirmation of her academic talents is undermined by the ongoing conflict between her degrading past and promising future. She feels like an imposter. Is the real Tara the one that lives on the mountain, safe in her parents' worldview, or the one who can craft good essays and make snappy wisecracks at a university dinner? In this episode, we followed Tara Westover on her journey to Brigham Young University, Having temporarily escaped both her father and abusive brother Sean, Tara is at first shocked by the behavior of her peers, as well as the gaping holes in her knowledge. She perseveres to go to Cambridge University in England, but not without psychological scars. Next time, we'll conclude our book insight on Tara Westover's Educated. We'll learn about Tara's academic achievements, as well as her confrontation with her family and past. Enjoying this episode of Book Insights? If so, keep listening and learning. There's a collection of over 100 titles you can read or listen to now at memodeapp.com slash insights. That's M-E-M-O-D-A-P-P dot com slash insights. In the third and final part of Educated, we see Tara Westover's academic achievements reach new heights and her confidence grow. Inevitably, events back in Idaho still have the potential to wreak havoc. She embarks on a master's degree at prestigious Trinity College, Cambridge. Now an official member of the university, rather than a visiting exchange student, she still feels at odds with her refined, educated peers. Slowly, she begins to settle in, making new friends, tasting red wine for the first time, and wearing more fashionable clothes. 
Her determination to recast herself and reject aspects of her strict upbringing is also reflected in her studies. She starts to investigate early feminist texts, questioning and ultimately rejecting the tenets of polygamy and, by extension, misogyny at Mormonism's heart. When her tutor declares that one of her essays on John Stuart Mill shows the promise of a future Cambridge PhD student, Tara is dumbfounded. That persistent sense of imposter syndrome starts to be chipped away. A visit to Rome with fellow students helps her further develop her sense of independence and to transform her approach to her history studies. Faced with the ancient monuments of Rome, Tara's instinct is to worship, to venerate the past rather than engage directly with the living city. But the friends she is traveling with help her see that she can admire the past without being silenced by it. The moment is an important marker in her progress away from Buck's Peak, flinging open the door to a world of further study. Her newfound confidence is knocked, however, by a message from her older sister Audrey, another pseudonym. Tara's brothers feature most prominently in Educated, but Audrey's appearance at this stage signals the beginning of a bitter, painful conflict within the family. A single email drags her back from her happy existence in Cambridge to the other life back home. Having realized that Tara has suffered abuse at the hands of Sean, just as she had, Audrey resolves to confront their parents. She has Tara's support in email, if not in person, and at first, their mother accepts their accusations against Sean. Without their father steering the conversation, mother seems able to face reality and acknowledge that there was something ugly and I refused to see it. She even accepts that she, like her daughters and Sean's wife, was being bullied. She assures them that we can rewrite the story and that she will see to it that Sean will get help. This brief moment of understanding, sympathy, and admission of failure, and the temporary boost it gives Tara, is made all the more poignant when Mother later renounces the girl's version of events. Ironically, she does rewrite the story, but to align with her husband and son, growing mute rather than springing to her daughter's defense. The family closes ranks, with Audrey persuaded of Tara's ungodliness and Sean's capacity to repent. Chilling scenes follow once Sean realizes the accusations that have been made against him. The effect on Tara's academic career is shattering. She suffers a breakdown, is plagued by self-doubt, and retreats from her studies, huddled in her room, binge-watching box sets. Even with the horrors of her family life, the thought of being cut off forever from them is devastating. At times, for instance, when her parents visit her in Harvard, where she moves on a visiting fellowship, she's tempted to swap my memories for theirs. The lure of home and the force of family bonds almost sway her, but the perspective she has gained through her education give her the strength to cling to her own story and her new life. It takes much longer for Tara to make peace with this decision and to cast off the associated guilt. There's no conventional happy ending here. Today, she remains estranged from several members of her family, although on good terms with her brothers Tyler, Richard, and Tony, and some of the extended family. The release of Educated was accompanied by a circus of press interviews and TV appearances. Tara Westover has even admitted that she signed up for preemptive therapy before the publication date, bracing herself for the fallout. Some of her siblings have written critical reviews on Amazon, refuting her version of events. 
The credibility of Westover's account is reinforced, however, by her measured tone. Her story is more balanced than blaming, and she even admits she is ashamed of an angry letter she sends her father from Cambridge. The integrity of the text is also supported by the supplementary notes section, the use of pseudonyms, and the publisher's fact-checking process. It's worth remembering that this is Westover's first book. The very fact that she's published a book is remarkable. It's only in her first weeks at Brigham Young University that she learned what essays were. Up until that point, the only writing she had done was in her journal. However, Westover is quick to acknowledge and reflect on the mutability of memory. Recollections fade, stories shift, and everyone's version of the truth is different. As she records in the book's notes, even memories of events that went down in her family folklore seem to vary wildly depending on who she consults. Her willingness to record these differing accounts isn't simply a fact-checking exercise. She is, of course, fascinated by the subject of history and the question of who might be the gatekeepers of history. She eventually wrote her Ph.D. thesis on intellectual history and political thought. You might be tempted to lump educated into the misery memoir category. It is certainly a story of triumph over trauma, but this journey is charted with subtlety, nuance, and lyricism, and it's far from being all-out doom and gloom. Here is Westover at the National Book Festival being interviewed for C-SPAN's Book TV. A lot of the narratives that we have about family fall into one of two categories. Either the message is that reconciliation is always the right course, or, or the messages about families that are just so difficult and so terrible that you never, you leave them and you never look back because the abuse is so awful. And I didn't, I didn't resonate with either of those messages. I really needed a story for myself that was about people that you had to let go of, but that you still loved, that had wonderful attributes, that wanted the best for you, but for whatever reason that wasn't navigable. And I, I didn't find that story, so I decided to write it. The defiance Westover displays, and the moments of both pathos and humor, bring to mind Jeanette Winterson's Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit, another tale of rebelling against a religious upbringing and finding salvation in books. Educated may well achieve the same classic status. It reads like a novel, and, be warned, is hard to put down. But don't forget its real message. Education doesn't just provide better opportunities in life, it can liberate us from the prisons of our own minds. Thank you for listening to Book Insights. Check out the rest of our content at memodap.com. Please keep in mind that the information provided in or through our Book Insights episodes is for educational and informational purposes only. It's not intended to be a substitute for advice given by qualified professionals and should not be relied upon to disregard or delay seeking professional advice.